we began our conversations about Luther's small catechism by commenting on how tiny the book really is. If you take away that explanation that uh, many Lutherans grew up with that was put onto it, you really have only a few pages. And yet as we remarked then and as we've seen as we've worked through the text of, of the catechisms together, we have, have seen what power there is in just these few pages. On the other hand, Chuck, um, some of us memorized it. Uh, all of us can read it in, uh, in a short period of time. Um, it's not hard to, to master it and then kind of lay it aside, I suppose. And generally, that's probably what has often happened. Uh, once people finish confirmation class in seventh and eighth grade, um, or even maybe adult information class if they use the catechism, uh, it's seen as a textbook. And like textbooks, when you finish a class, you either sell it or put it on the shelf. Uh, but this really is not, I think, what Luther intended. Um, instead, I think he saw all of life as uh, a catechumenate, um, or all of life as a, a way or process by which we learn the catechism. Uh, I think we can illustrate this in a couple ways. Uh, first of all, consider his own way of um, maybe teaching the catechism that he outlines in the prefaces. Uh, first, he would have students uh, learn the bare text, the commandments, creed, and Lord's Prayer, uh, learn them by heart, engrave them upon uh, your heart, because these are your very life, just as we have uh, children memorize their name, their phone number, their address, because mm -hmm. this is important to their life, so also the uh, catechism. This is who we are as Christians. And then from there to learn the meanings or explanations that he appended to the small catechism. And then after that, one can even move on to a larger treatment of the catechism, namely the commandments, creed, Lord's prayer, and the sacraments, as you have it in the large catechism. So the way I've tried thinking about this a little bit is there is so much that we can learn about in the uh, scriptures. Uh, for many, the scriptures are like a, a labyrinth uh, of wonders. Uh, uh, the catechism sort of gives us the basics, you know, the ABCs, uh, the grammar uh, of the Christian life in such a way that while we do move on from the basics, in one set, in another sense, you never leave them behind. Mm -hmm. Consider, you know, learning our ABCs. The point of learning the ABCs um, backwards and forwards is you always have them at your fingertips in a sense. So that if I go to the library and I'm looking for a book, um, you know, that by an author whose name begins with O, I don't have to go, it's A, B, C, you know, I can go M and O. I know that O comes after N because it's second nature to me, if you will. And, um, or take a couple other examples. Um, pianists. Uh, we begin learning by, learning how to play the piano by learning scales. Uh, looking at notes, looking down at the keyboard, watching our fingers. Um, after a while, a pianist can play the piano without looking down at the keys. But a pianist always practices their scales uh, because 
they're foundational and they're basic to everything that follows. I suspect even your concert pianists, no matter how well they can play uh, Beethoven's Sonata, uh, Chopin Prelude, uh, they always practice their scales. Now, I think there's a reason for this. On the one hand, they're basic. Uh, secondly, though, being basic, they are the foundation for all music. All music is little more than variations on scales. So they practice their scales. Or take an analogy from uh, sports. Uh, those who go into basketball learn by practicing the basics, dribbling. At first, you may bounce the ball, catch it, drop it, catch it. After a while, you can dribble with both hands. After a while, with one hand. Eventually, you can dribble between your legs. And you know, and now at this point, when it's become second nature, you're ready to learn the strategy of the game and the different plays of the game. But even great basketball players, NBA players, the best of them, they'll go out and shoot 103 throws every day. They will continually practice their dribbling because these are the basics or foundation on which the entire game is built. I think the catechism is a lot like that. Um, it's the basics. It's the foundation. Uh, it's like learning the ABCs. Uh, you want to learn it so that it's second nature. It becomes a part of you. But as we move on to learn more about the Christian life and the Christian faith, whether it is uh, the mystery of the Trinity or the mystery of the Incarnation, the two natures of Christ in one person, or the humiliation and exaltation of Christ. Uh, in some ways, these are simply building upon the basics that we've been given here um, in the Creed, for example. Uh, so there's the, the, the catechism gives us, I think you one time mentioned the blueprint of the Christian life. I would say the uh, narrative or the story of the Christian life. And once we have these main markers down, these um, high points of the scripture, if you will, uh, they provide us with an orientation so that as we dive deeper into the scriptures, we can relate these other teachings to the basic teachings of the catechism. We kind of know where they fall. We know where they fit under the, the commandments, the judgment of God or the grace of God, where they belong in the first article or the second article, how God's creative work and redemptive work relate to one another. Um, they always sort of give us those uh, basics. So for that reason, I think there is a sense where we never stop practicing the catechism. Uh, that's why, even though you have it in this nice big book here, uh, I actually like it in that small book that we looked at very much uh, a few sessions ago because it's the kind of thing where you can put into your suit pocket or you know, a person could put it into her pocketbook. And during the day, you can simply pull it out, read a commandment explanation, meditate on it for a few minutes. Um, you know, and do that sort of day in and day out. And I think that's partly what Luther had in mind with the idea of uh, practicing the catechism. It can actually serve to uh, stimulate our prayer life. It can serve to uh, help us better understand uh, the various themes of the Bible. Uh, it can better help us understand and make sense out of life. Uh, so just pull it out, read a portion meditate. It doesn't take more than a minute or two. 
but being God's word and taken from the scriptures, it provides the spirit with an opportunity to uh, work on our hearts. I've often heard it said that uh, the Lord's Prayer contains not only a text for us to pray, but also a kind of outline, a kind of agenda uh, for all sorts of other things that we should pray for, and, and each of the petitions reminds us of that sort of thing. What you're suggesting really is that uh, in, a, in a similar way, the Ten Commandments can, as, as Luther said in, in um, his comments on confession and absolution, we should think about the situations in life, our Christian callings, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. according to the Ten Commandments, so it helps us exercise the discipline of repentance. Uh, there are days when I don't feel particularly guilty, uh, but the Ten Commandments are there to help me review my life and recognize uh, that I, I still need the grace of God. Uh, and then the discipline of the, th of the three articles of the creed is, is quite like that too. Uh, there may be times when, because of circumstances in my life, I think more of God as creator or more as savior mm -hmm. or more as sanctifier. And, and the discipline of the creed helps me balance out, uh, as you've said, uh, what, what parts of scripture I'm thinking about and looking at. And how they relate together, you know, that God creates yes. us in order to... Um, that he might redeem us in the second article. Creation doesn't uh, uh, get rid of sin and evil. Uh, that's the job of the second article. On the other hand, uh, God's goodness is in creation by the fact that he maintains and keeps creation mm -hmm. running despite our best efforts to uh, destroy it. Mm -hmm. You know, your point on the Lord's Prayer is well taken too. Um, I've heard that this is why the Lord's Prayer can either come before or after the general prayers in a congregation. Um, if it comes before the general prayers, it is a way of uh, stimulating our thoughts on what it is we should pray for more specifically. Or if it comes after the general prayers, it's sort of like saying, well, anything else that we need to pray for and have not prayed for in the general prayer, it's covered here in the uh, Lord's Prayer. Uh, but yeah, so practicing a catechism, in some ways, I don't think is all that different from the practices of the Old Testament people when they would uh, recite those um, narratives, those stories. Mm -hmm. you know, our father was a wandering Aramean, went down to Egypt, became a great nation, we were sorely oppressed, God delivered him by a mighty hand. Uh, this was a way of locating them within the mm -hmm. history of God's work within this world. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, Luther is doing that in, in the whole of the catechism because he's looking at um, the accusation of the law and the, the, uh, the liberation of the gospel and setting the pattern for our reactions. And then he goes on to talk about the word in sacramental form in, in the form of uh, confession and absolution so that he can come to um, the, the structure of our response in our daily devotions and in our, our loving the neighbor and carrying out our callings uh, again, according to the Ten Commandments, as, as he says. Um, and I suppose you, you could say that, that Luther makes that specific move to application uh, when he's treating baptism because he winds up with the daily repentance, with the rhythm of daily repentance. Um, and in the Lord's Supper, he, he moves on to our sense of worthiness in the midst of daily life and how it depends not on... Um, any external exercises, but on, on the faith that really informs and, 
and fills and, and directs our, our entire life. Yeah, and I, you know, in that connection, I guess I'm going to come back to my old uh, mantra in terms of the catechism laying out the art of living by faith. Here's how uh, Christians live. And one of the things I like about its brevity is because you can work through the entire catechism in a single setting, um, at least in terms of reading it, it allows us to, or it helps us to keep our eyes on the forest, on the big picture, so that we don't lose sight of the forest on account of the trees. Uh, there's always a danger, I think, either in reading scripture or looking at our lives that we become so fixated on uh, maybe one particular theme or one particular um, point that we can lose sight of the larger whole with the result that we um, don't know where this one piece fits within the overarching story. And that can easily distortion uh, and error. So this allows us to keep in view the um, a big picture, the master story, the grand narrative, however uh, you would like to put it. And in essence, all our Bible reading is an invitation. Uh, God draws us into his larger story, and, and he repeats um, what he has done for Israel, what he has done for the world in Jesus Christ uh, in our lives. Uh, but again, as small as it is, the Bible is still not uh, something you can read in a, in a single setting, whereas the catechism really draws it together. Uh, in the 16th century, I know they, they would talk about Luther as a, a honeybee who was extracting the sweetest <laughs> honey from the flowers and, um, and used other analogies to, to talk about how the, the essence, the, the best of uh, scripture is drawn into this this very brief little document um, as the kind of guide yeah. roadmap uh, uh, compass that you've yeah. been describing. And in our day, I think there's always the danger of say becoming fixated on uh, say the end times or the signs of the end times, mm -hmm. and in a sense blowing that out of proportion to the um, emphasis or proportion that the scriptures itself gives and. Whereas the creed and the catechism in general uh, allow us to see how it fits in within the overarching story. You know, the other thing that I think is helpful about the catechism is the way it does shape our piety in particular. What impressed me on this was a number of years ago I got to hear a speech given by uh, Andrew Greeley. He is a, a well-known sociologist in Roman Catholic circles. So he was a, a couple of decades ago. He one time went out to do a study to answer this question. Why is it, he asked, can so many Catholic lay people disagree with the Pope and the church's teaching on a whole range of theological and moral issues, but still say, I am a good Catholic? Mm -hmm. The answer he discovered is people define their Catholicness not by their doctrine as much as by their piety. It had to do with saying the rosary, lighting the prayer candles, and so forth. He went on to recount how his uh, diocese had built a contemporary church building, I think it was in Arizona or New Mexico, but it didn't have any statuary, so he donated like $50,000 to buy a statuary for the church, fearing that without it, the bond would slowly break between the people and the church as they lost that piety. 
And as I got thinking about it, I thought, well, that's really kind of interesting um, because the Anglicans certainly have their Book of Common Prayer. And as I got to wondering about Lutherans, it sort of dawned me that catechism had kind of served that function. It had given Lutherans a common way of thinking, a common way of talking, a common way of praying for uh, 500 years. Um, and so it served also not only for individual piety, but for our um, life together. And in a day and age when we are no longer bound together by either a common ethnic background or a common liturgy or common songs or common architecture, uh, that this may become even more important for us. Uh, in th that is to say, the catechetical life and practicing a catechism in everyday life, uh, that it gives us, um, I could say, not only a common faith, but a common language, a common way of confessing as well. And so we live by faith, as Professor Arendt has said. We live in the rhythm of the catechism, crushed by the law to be sure each day, called to repentance again, then lifted by the gospel, brought back to life through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, so that we may proceed again into our daily lives, uh, thinking and reading and hearing God's word, praying to him, and then exercising the callings that he gives us in the context of our daily lives. Catechetical living, living by faith, that's the theme we've been trying to pursue with you, and we hope that you too have seen the joy and the peace that gives cheer and hope to all those who follow Martin Luther in pursuing the way of the catechism, living by faith.